The Gospel of today touches on three important biblical themes, namely nonviolence, economic justice, and the non-reciprocity of love. We begin with looking at that invitation to turn the other cheek. It seems rather counterintuitive. Why invite more violence upon yourself? But in actual fact, this invitation to turn the other cheek is an act of nonviolence designed to shame the oppressor by highlighting the injustice of the physical violence. The civil rights movement in America under Martin Luther King pioneered this approach when he insisted that those who were taking part in these civil acts of disobedience in these marches for justice never responded to the physical or the verbal violence directed against them. And he said, we have a choice today, nonviolent coexistence or violent co-annihilation. We must move past indecision to action. He also said, in spite of temporary victories, violence never brings permanent peace. And then commenting on his philosophy of nonviolence, he said, we adopt the means of nonviolence because our end is a community at peace with itself. We will try to persuade with our words, but if our words fail, we will try to persuade with our acts. The civil rights movement in South Africa similarly relied on the force of their moral argument to both shame the apartheid government, maybe bringing them closer to change, but also as a way of appealing to the wider world for support and assistance in ending this unjust system of oppression. Just think of the Women's March to Pretoria and the activities of the United Democratic Front, of which the Christian churches were an integral part, including our own Archbishop Dennis Hurley. There is a parallel text to this Lucan version in Matthew 5, verse 41, where Jesus tells them that if somebody, a Roman soldier, forces you to go one mile, go a second. The Roman soldiers were authorized by their law to force people in the occupied territories to carry their incredibly heavy baggage for one mile, but only one mile. If they actually carried that baggage for two miles, they were actually forcing the Roman soldiers to break their own law. 
This was a non-violent tactic to illustrate the injustice of this Roman law, but also to utilize the law against their oppressors. Today in South Africa, we're doing the same. We've learned from this example. There are many traditional communities and environmental groups who are challenging the the unholy compact between government and big business, who are determined to dispossess traditional communities of their land, their natural or traditional way of life, and to basically destroy the environment. Our oppressed and our marginalized have discovered that the law of the oppressor can be a powerful tool against them. Now, other commentators note that this particular gospel is primarily addressed to those who are already wealthy, not to the poor, because this advice given in Luke 6 talks about people having two coats, while the poor do not have two coats. The homeless that we serve here walk around with one little checkers packet with all of their worldly belongings. I don't think Jesus was telling them to give their coat as well as their cloak to others. Our poor are not the target of beggars or thieves because they do not have a surplus to lend or to share or to be begged from. The advice of Jesus in this particular context is addressed as though or to those with personal wealth. So how then do we interpret it? I think our scripture today can be interpreted as a call for a more just use of our own personal wealth, or maybe a better distribution of the wealth and resources of our country. This raises questions like, should South Africans be prepared to pay more taxes in order to fund a basic income grant. This could be one practical outcome of this particular teaching. Now, obviously, there are those in favor and those who are against. But maybe those who have more to lose will be those who speak out most loudly against economic justice like this. In this economic teaching, Jesus challenges the elite of his day. He's asking them to behave towards strangers just as they would to members of their own family or of their own group. He's urging them to treat the have-nots as though they were members 
of their own families. Jesus encourages generosity, love, forgiveness, and a non-judgmental attitude, partly because we then have the right to expect the same from others. But Jesus goes on to say, we should treat one another like this, because ultimately, that's how God treats us. The three important lessons of the gospel today is brought together in the golden rule which Jesus gives us in this text. Quite simply, treat others as you would like to be treated. Show loving compassion because that's how you want to be treated. When you're experiencing pain and anguish and loneliness, when you're experiencing being marginalized because of who you are, you would want people to show you love and acceptance. All right, treat others like that too. And so act justly. Act justly because you hate it when you experience injustice yourself. You hate being treated unfairly. Nobody likes to be the victim of corrupt officials who demand a bribe in order for you to get a license or get attention or service from government officials. We hate it. We hate this unfairness, this injustice. So, act justly yourself to those with whom you work and whom you serve. Do not judge others because you do not want to be judged yourself. This surely then is at the heart of this golden rule to love as you wish to be loved, to serve as you would like to be served. That's the golden rule of Jesus.